stiff upper lip, grin and bear it. Blood, sweat, and tears. Nose to the grindstone, fighting tooth and nail. There's this notion that work and school need to be tough, painful, maybe even a little bit masochistic. When we used to think about the word resilience, it was more about simply enduring, getting through it. It happens at work at every level in every industry. In restaurants. At the end of my shift, I could not find my sneakers. And it turns out one of the cooks had taken my shoes, stuck them in one of those busboy trays, filled it with water, and stuck it in the freezer. In the military. And you'd end up in a room where they'd introduce smoke and tear gas, and you'd have to take your mask off and run around in a circle. The odd person would try and bolt out of the room, but you couldn't. In grad school, writing essays till midnight while having to get up and work in the morning, getting ready to defend a final paper and having an anxiety attack about doing that. And of course, in medical school. I trained as a registered nurse and the most stressed during my school training was definitely a 10 out of 10. Every sector and profession has their version of this kind of treatment. The idea that resilience is just about pushing through, being strong enough to continue, surviving. But what if resilience wasn't simply about getting through the next shift, the next deadline, the next whatever you need to do, no matter what it did to your psyche or your body? What if resilience was about taking care of yourself so you could continue operating at a high level over a career? They say it's better to burn out than to fade away, which is a romantic notion of youth, but it's not exactly a playbook for sustainable professional existence anymore. Coming up, how we are evolving the way we work and study to be more thoughtful, empathetic, and sustainable. I'm Bianca Rego, and welcome to Fireweed, a podcast brought to you by the British Columbia Institute of Technology. Fireweed is the first plant to grow back after a forest fire. We're tapping into one of the fireweed's best qualities, its resilience. We're exploring stories of adaptation and meeting people who are changing their behavior to meet the future head on. If you have a great story of shifting your pattern to fit the new normal, email us at fireweed at bcit.ca. Today, we're talking about building resilience at work and school. How are we evolving our approaches to career and academics? And how do we find the sweet spot between ambition and burnout? So I currently have four jobs. I'm a producer for 980 CKNW, a news talk radio station for Chorus Entertainment based in Vancouver, a traffic anchor for AM730, and as you may have gathered, the host of the Fireweed podcast. In the evenings, I'm the head server at El Guapo, a Latin fusion restaurant in the heart of Yaletown. Prior to this schedule, I was a journalism student who was juggling internships and also working full-time on top of going to school. I have always struggled with work-life balance. It sounds weird to even say that out loud. How do you reconcile the need for self-care and support with a competitive world? If you don't seize the opportunity, someone else probably will. Putting up your boundaries is important, 
but so is putting in your dues. So how do you calibrate your school or career trajectory to hit sustainable success rather than overshoot into burnout or fall short of your goals? To explore this topic, I spoke with three women. Laura Vale, Senior Director of Student Success at the British Columbia Institute of Technology. Gerline Batia, Faculty Instructor in the Occupational Health and Safety Diploma Program, also at BCIT. And Yosef Fem, a Latina, feminist podcaster, writer, and community organizer who has managed to successfully navigate an ambitious, multi-hyphenate career while still leaving plenty of time for self-care and self-awareness. So let's start with Gerline. Briefly define what occupational health and safety really means is essentially to be able to anticipate, recognize, evaluate, and then eventually control any work health and safety concerns, any hazards, any issues that workers might come across at a work site. Some of this language evokes like factory floors and steel-toed boots and hard hats, but... Our work environments have changed so much in the last half century and even in the last five years. So how has the occupational health and safety lens shifted? Occupational health and safety, as you mentioned, definitely no longer. You've got your safety boots, you've got hard hats, you're good to go. It's in 2020s much more than just about getting workers back home at the end of the day with 10 fingers, two arms and two legs, right? It's just no longer about mitigating immediate harms or serious injuries. It's about sustainability. It's about this long range, long-term planning, building resilience, planning and making sure that the workers are going to have a long, healthy working relationship with an employer. We're talking about being able to control Occupational diseases that may not show up for 20 years. And so we're thinking long term. We're thinking about things like psychological safety. The term that's probably recently coined, I don't even think in 60s, 70s, 80s, psychological safety was even a top of mind for anybody. So that it's about that. It's about looking at that, it's looking at violence and bullying and harassment. So that's what encompasses psychological safety. And of course, Obviously, can't forget about infectious disease and pandemic. We're literally living through that right now. Just has really come to forefront of people's minds. I never thought I'd read a newspaper and see terms like engineering controls, ventilation, PPE talked about in common context. So from your standpoint... How has the concept of resilience evolved in the workplace? I think it's drastically evolved. In 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, concept of resilience was more about showing the attitude of no weakness, right? Quote unquote, being strong. That's what resilience meant. Not to complain much. Continue working regardless of the working conditions and keep your head down. And as long as your body can handle that pressure, handle that stress, you're good. That's resilience. I'm resilient. I can continue working even if I have a a sore shoulder or a back and whatnot. So that was a concept of resilience in those days. And obviously that perception was greatly enforced when injuries and illnesses are not very visible. So if the worker is not visibly hurt, you're not considered injured. Noise-induced hearing loss or mental health, stress or bullying or harassment, those things really didn't really fall on the radar as much. 
concept of resilience these days is drastically changed. The perceptions changed. Resilience now means to be able to hold on to a worker for a long time, to be able to keep them healthy, mentally in a good condition so that they can last long in a working environment and in their working lifetime. Resilience means to be able to look at chronic diseases, to be able to provide resources to the worker so they know, I think I need to get help or this is enough for me or I think I need a mental health stay or something like that. So that's, I think that's changing now. So that's definitely different than the mid 20th century for sure. So clearly in the last half century, the concept of occupational health and safety has moved beyond the factory floor. But specifically in the last half decade, a lot of us have found ourselves further away from the actual physical workplace itself. And now that we're in this post-industrial, post-office, hybrid digital world, what are some other non-traditional safety concerns that you're looking at? You've hit it right there. We're seeing as we're moving post-industrial era, a lot of non-traditional work settings, you know, you're seeing less serious injuries, less losing of limbs and fingers and arms and, and more soft tissue injuries, repetitive injuries, musculoskeletal illnesses. Most of the claims for compensation are related to things like overexertion or the soft tissue injuries. A lot of our jobs are sitting in front of a computer. My conversation with Gerleen was game-changing. The evolving idea of resilience in the workplace isn't just a sentiment. There's an entire occupational health and safety industry out there redefining what it means to be safe, no matter what your career is. My next stop was with Laura Vale, the Senior Director of Student Success at the British Columbia Institute of Technology. Her department is geared towards helping students access services that revolve around the school's well-being and resiliency framework. I started by pointing out to her that earlier generations have been all about, and feel free to pick your favorite cliche, but like a stiff upper lip or what doesn't kill you makes you stronger many students are goal-oriented. Basically, they're used to jumping when people say jump. The boot camp mentality, this idea that if you can get through our programs, you can make it anywhere. Sure. But I also think about how can we support all of our learners? There's been this idea that you should pay your dues by being way overworked, which is something that I definitely have experience with. So how have you seen this sentiment evolve? It certainly evolved a lot. The newer generations are looking more for flexible learning opportunities, uh, the ability to build their own career as opposed to just slot into pre-existing conditions for them. So something that's a little bit more unique, a little bit more there is. And, and so how can we be more flexible to, to meet those goals? Millennials and Gen Zers are changing jobs a lot more rapidly these days. They're even creating their own positions, as you mentioned. How is this affecting the job market and the way that organizations are hiring? Young people are far less likely to be loyal to an organization. So I look at my dad, for example, my dad works through the same organization for over 35 years. You don't really see the younger generations doing that anymore. They're going to look for organizations that fit their lifestyle and their values instead of just looking for a paycheck. 
Advance your career with flexible learning in your own time. BCIT offers over 1,000 part-time courses in person and online that are relevant and applied. Take a single course or work towards a diploma, a certificate, or a degree, all at a pace that's right for you. Start your hands-on learning at bcit.ca slash pts. Okay, so we've been exploring this idea of resilience and work in school. We've heard from Gerline and Laura, who are fighting the good fight to make sure students and employees have the tools they need to continue on their paths without getting taken advantage of. Gerline, representing the workers, and Laura, representing the students. I want to end by talking to Diosa Femme, one half of the podcast and multimedia duo Las Locatoras. Locatora Radio. As a duo, Diosa and her podcasting partner Mala's content is peppered with quotable slogans. Things like, all baddies go to heaven and look good, talk mean. In addition to their shows and channels, Diosa is an active community organizer is back in school to pursue her master's and runs her own creative agency. Did I mention she still holds down her day job? Talk about a complete inspiration. I spoke with Diosa about her approach to ambition, to self-care, and how to juggle work and school with a sense of resilience, all while avoiding burnout. I host a podcast called Locatora Radio. We've been podcasting since 2016, and we formally launched a production house in 2021. In addition to podcasting, we also produce live events. We've filmed and directed a short film. We, we do all kinds of like skits as party announcements, as season announcements. We like to think about what we do as pushing the boundaries of what podcasters can do. I love that so much. What are the boundaries that you think podcasters have that you're trying to push? Obviously, the audio is the most important thing, right? You're a podcast. The audio should be solid. The storytelling, whatever elements your podcast has. But for us, we saw a really big opportunity to really connect with community. We call the podcast a radiophonic novella because novelas or telenovelas are very popular and a central figure in a lot of Latinx or Latino households. Oh, yeah. And so we see it as an opportunity to connect with each other, for our listeners to connect with each other, for us to connect with them. And so really being able to take the community aspect of it outside of the podcast and the audio feed and be in real life, be in person, have parties, do all those kinds of things that we do. That sounds like such a wonderful community. And like I myself being Latina, I'm Brazilian. So... My grandma watches so many telenovelas, so it sounds great that you were able to push that into a podcast. So as you've developed creatively and as a business owner, you've kept your day job. What is your day job and why did you decide to keep it with such a successful company? Yeah, so I've had different iterations thus far of my day job. When we started, I was a community organizer at a nonprofit. A few years later, I started working at multiple residential facilities. I was on the grant writing side, managing different services for folks with developmental disabilities. Really, I was looking for a nine to five. I saw the potential for the growth. And so I wanted like a nine to five, Monday through Friday, clock in and clock out type of job. 
and that I was there for four years. And so I left this past year and I started working at a creative agency called Revolve Impact. And that's really where I feel like I can wear all the hats that I wear because I came in super honest. Hey, I have this startup, essentially a startup company. Y'all were a startup. You know that sometimes you have to have other jobs to to get the business running. And I want to help you grow your social media channel in this way. I'm also still doing my own thing. There's a value to it. I don't think there's a hindrance. And they they were down. They hired me on. They liked what I had to bring to the table. And so with them, I think I was able to really strike this really great balance and harmony of not having to lie about what I'm working on and really being able to be honest and say, hey, I have a meeting over here. Like, I'm going to do that, but I promise my work is done. And so being able to really be honest has allowed me to flourish in all the ways. That's phenomenal. I know because I myself have five jobs and having to sneak out for a meeting or sneak out for a recording is always so tricky to go around. So that's great that you found some support at your workplace. Yeah, you can only lie for so long. (laughs) Let me tell you, I... When I was working at my last job, you know, it's like you can only go to the dentist so many times. You can only have so many sick days, have dental surgery so many times. Really, like the excuses start to run out and it also creates stress. And so that was partly why I decided I need to be upfront about what I'm doing because there's so much value in it. Why should I be hiding it? So what's your current schedule like? My schedule is day to day right now. Like in addition to all the other things that I do, I also started grad school this past summer. And so I don't have, yeah, I don't have. On top of all of that, it's wild. I know. I don't really have, I can't tell you what my schedule is. I just make sure I get my things done. That's incredible that you're able to balance all of that. You are a seasoned writer. And you cover a lot of topics, including self-care. So what does your self-care regimen include? So I am very much all about running right now. Like the last year, I'd say since early 2021, I like really started running. I would run occasionally. Now I'm like, I run two half marathons. I'm training for an ultra right now. It's intense. But it actually, I love it. And it gives me the endorphins that I need to just keep going. And so part of scheduling is like schedule in your self-care time, whatever that looks like for you. And so for me, it's I'm going to get this 40 minute run in today. I'm going to get this long run on Saturday, whatever that looks like. And so I've really just kept at it for over a year now. And it has really helped me. And it's also something For me, because I'm a content creator and an artist, there has to be some pocket of my life that I'm not trying to like push content or monetize. The running is like, oh, I'm not trying to sell anyone (laughs) anything about running. Would I love, (laughs) would I love a Nike sponsorship? Absolutely. But am I doing it for that? No, I'm just doing it for me. I've always been so jealous of people who like to run because I absolutely hate it. And I've tried so many times. Do you ever burn out with everything you're doing and like focusing on self-care as well? How do you manage that without just completely burning out? Yeah, I am. I am very gentle with myself. When there are things that I can't get done, I don't get them done. It's been a long process. 
to like get myself to that point where I'm not like beating myself up or I'm not being mean to myself for not getting things done. I've had to just learn how to prioritize things. And I think that goes back to like having a partner. When I'm too busy, like I have Mala. Mala works on things. She can keep things going when things are too much for me and vice versa. And have I burnt out? Absolutely. I think like all of 2020, I was burnt out. And it coincided with the pandemic. And the pandemic allowed me to reevaluate my life and like what I was doing and how I was going to burn out so fast if I kept going at this rate. And so that's why I, I applied to a different job. I applied to grad school because I was trying to push my life in a different direction. And I thought if the podcast is indie and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay indie for a while or for however long, I need to look at other things. And like I said, it all just aligned at the same time. Unbeknownst to me, I did not know this was going to happen, but it did. Divine intervention. Honestly, it's serendipity. So can I put you on the spot for a bit of advice? I struggle so badly with anxiety. I've always just been the person with self-doubt. I never want to, I would never want to disappoint anyone to a point where it's a fault to me. So how have you learned to let that go and to be gentle with yourself? I'm a recovering people pleaser and I've been in therapy for five years. Let me just say that. Let me start there. And so it's been a journey to like, be gentle with myself and to not let the anxiety take over. And really like for me, what works is just taking things day by day and scheduling things out and really like leaning on people. Like it's okay to ask for help, even if it feels unnatural to us, even if we tell our families and friends, like I can't go to this or I want to go to this, but I can't because I have to rest. I have to take care of me. And so being able to just really like live your life for yourself. And that's so hard to do for a lot of us, you know, especially like different backgrounds that we may come from. It's really challenging. I'm not going to pretend like this grind is amazing. No, like we're not glorifying the hustle. I think if you can slow down, there are moments that pick up. There are moments that you have to like really give it your all. And I think it's just identifying what that looks like for you in your life. As podcasters and creating our own company is like, what kind of company do we want to be? What kind of bosses do we want to be? We have a very small team. Nobody's full time except for us. And so part of it is like, how do you show up as a person with everyone that you're involved in and everyone that you work with? Do you want to be that type of person that like no one wants to rest around? No, you want to encourage people to rest by also doing it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Work has changed. You are no longer expected to push yourself to the limits of your body and your mind for the sake of the next deadline or quota. As we've heard from Laura and Gerline, if you find yourself in a situation where a boss or professor is asking too much of you, it's okay to push back. There are increasingly systems in place to do so. Maybe most importantly, as we've heard from Diosa, if the voice pushing you hardest is your own, it's especially okay to ask for some grace. You're no good to anyone if you burn out, especially to yourself. You've been listening to Fireweed, a podcast brought to you by the British Columbia Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bianca Rego, and I'd like to thank my guests, Gerline Batia, Laura Vale, and Diosa Femme. 
If you like what you heard, I hope you'll keep on listening and sharing episodes. Help us spread the word about some of the incredible adaptation, ingenuity, and resourcefulness we have in this region and beyond. Do you have thoughts on this episode or a story to share? Email us at fireweed at bcit.ca or DM us on Instagram at life at bcit with your tales of resilience. Thank you for listening to Fireweed and I'll see you all next episode.